Hi, podcast family. Um, this is Amy. I was just wanting to do an intro for the next message just to let you guys know that um, we know that a lot of people are suffering a lot during this time, be that health-wise or financially. And um, we just want to encourage you um, that God is on the throne and we are praying. And there's many, many people in this country that are praying um, for hope and for change and for God to move. And so we hope you'll join us in prayer and we hope you'll also join us in doing what we can to help our neighbors um, by maybe making them a loaf of bread or giving them some of your toilet paper or whatever God would ask of you. Please be obedient to the Holy Spirit. Please be asking the Holy Spirit how you can how you can be a blessing to your next door neighbor, to your church family. Um, and also, please be on your face in prayer as we need a serious revival in this country like never before. So... Um, this first message about the coronavirus will uh, basically be geared towards those of you who are re- really um, struggling with fear, you're believers and you're just really struggling with fear. Um, and then the second one, which Dean will be doing next week, will be examining the possibilities of this being judgment from God for the sin of our world, um, just the things that we have, lo- have allowed in our world in the last 20 years um, that God has been very patient about uh, and long-suffering, and uh, we're going to kind of look at that, and what is that, what is it, could it be that, what does it look like, Um, and how do we respond, so um, that'll be next week, Um, and then that's pretty much it, Um, hope you enjoy the message and get something out of it, and hope you are encouraged to be the light of Jesus. You can interject anytime you want to. Okay, so um, I entitled this A Christian Response to Coronavirus. And uh, basically, I just wanted to start out with the good news, and that is that um, God's alive. You know, he, He's not dead, and, you know, and, and Satan's not on the throne. God is still on the throne. I mean, you, you know, all this talk about coronavirus and stuff, I mean, it's 24 hours. You can't. You can't get on the news and, and or any place without, even at work. That's all we talk about is coronavirus, and pretty much everything that we do while we're at work is restricted because of it. We have to wear gloves, and you know, um, like people in the lines at Costco, we have they have to have five feet between them and and things of that nature. So, so yeah, this is all affecting us in in one way or another. But um, yeah, I just wanted to talk about uh, look at it from God's point of view. Uh, turn to Proverbs chapter 3, if you have your Bible. And just Google it. There you go. <laughs> I mean, we are having Bible study over the internet. So. Which to all our podcast people out there, this is unusual and the first time we've ever done this, so bear with us. Yeah, Thank you very this'll, much. This will be new. Okay, so Proverbs 3, verse 25, it says, um, it says, do not fear, or do not be afraid of sudden fear. I think King James says sudden terror. Mm -hmm. Nor of the onslaught of the wicked when it comes. And the wicked can be in the form of either a person, or it can be in the form of adversaries, or it can be in the form of uh, circumstances. It says, do not be afraid of sudden fear. And, uh, it says, for the Lord, verse 26, will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. 
Do you got do you guys hear me okay? Yes. Is it is it yes. loud enough? Okay. So I mean it says do not fear and, and the thing about it is over and over in the Bible, I was reading the other day where it said something like th- over three hundred and sixty five times the Bible says in one form or fashion not to fear. And right. uh I don't know if that's true or not. I haven't actually counted every time and stuff, but the Bible is over and over tells us do not fear. And the the thing is is it doesn't tell us do not fear when everything's going great. Right. Because when everything's going great, there's no need to fear anyway. So we're not going going to be afraid. And so when we come into circumstances like this or when things hit our lives or or situations go against us, that's the time when God is speaking to us and he says, do not fear. And, uh, you know, again, we, we see the reaction of the world. Uh, man, where I work, you guys know that I work at Costco mm. and stuff. I, I see it every day. People panicking. I, they, there are fist fights over toilet paper. I, I saw um, just about a week ago, I saw a member hit a girl coming into work with his truck because people are frantic and people are panicking and people are freaking out and stuff. And um, um, turn to one more place. Uh, Joshua chapter uh, 1. Did you say a customer hit one of the workers? Is yeah. that what you said? And so, and the thing is, is and, and even on the news, I mean, this is, it's all bad news. It's all panic. It's all everything that's going wrong. Everything's terrible. Everything's falling apart and stuff. And if you look at it in the with a naked eye or in the eyes of flesh, that's what it looks like, Right? But the thing is, is God doesn't want us to look with the flesh. He wants us to look through the eyes of the Spirit. The Bible tells us to walk by faith, not by sight, right? And if we're walking by sight, if we walk according to what our circumstances are, then we're going to be filled with fear. But God does not want us as his people to be afraid. And in Joshua 1, verse 1, it says, Now it came about after the death of Moses, a servant of the Lord, that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' servant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, cross this Jordan, you and all the people, to the land which I am giving them to the sons of Israel. Every place on which the sole of your foot treads, I have given to you just as I spoke to Moses. Now, you guys are students of the Bible. You, you've seen the promises that God has made for his children. Um, uh, Jeremiah 29, 11, the, prom, the plans that I have for you are for welfare and not for calamity, right? And so there's promise after promise after promise in the scripture of God's care and his desire to watch over his people. And that's the thing is we have a God who cares for us. We have a God that watches over us as his people. And so we are not like the world. We are not like the world that is without hope and without God. We have a God who is on our side and who is for us and not against us. Uh, Verse 3 again, Every place in which the sole of your foot treads, I have given it to you just as I spoke to Moses. From the wilderness in this Lebanon, even as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, in the land of the Hittites, and as far as the great sea toward the setting of the sun will be your territory. No man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you. I will not fail you or forsake you. Verse 6, be strong and courageous, for you will give this people possession of the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. 
Verse 7 again, only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn aside from it from the left or to the right so that you may have success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have success. Verse 9 again, he says, Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. You see that? Something that I like about that, like that's my favorite verse, and something that I love about that is that, um, like, it's not just a, it's not just an encouragement and a suggestion. Mm -hmm. It says, have I not commanded you right. to be strong and courageous? Yeah. It's not optional. Can you guys hear Daniel okay? Yes. Okay. Yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> and God has called each one of us as believers to be leaders in this generation. God has called us as Christians to be the example of what people are to look to, right? And if the church is cowering, if the church is afraid, what kind of a message are we going to send, right? Uh, turn to another place in Isaiah uh, chapter 8. And, and I don't want this to sound harsh or anything like this. I, I want this to be a message of hope, right? Because, uh, again, we, we may be in dark times right now. And, and it's like um, someone said to me a couple times, we are making history right now. We're going to look about on, on these days and we're going to talk to our grandkids about 2020 and things like that. And, and the virus and coronavirus and how people were all freaking out. But this is going to pass. Right. This at some point is going to be in the past. There will be something that happened to us. It's not something that's going to continue and, and just go on perpetually. It will end at some point. And, you know, the church, we should be concerned about how how we walk through this this trial, because it is a trial. Right. And again, this is an opportunity for us as the church to shine. And, and I think that anytime something like this happens, God is calling his people to step up and to be different from the world and to be an example to the world. Does that make sense? In Isaiah 8, verse 11. Look at this. He said, For thus the Lord spoke to me with mighty power and instructed me not to walk in the way of this people, saying, You are not to say it's a conspiracy in regard to all that this people call a conspiracy, and you are not to fear what they fear or be in dread of it. It is the Lord of hosts whom you should regard as holy, and he shall be your fear, and he shall be your dread. You see that? So, you know, while the world is saying, oh, all is saying fear and old and, and everything's falling apart and, and coronavirus and, and, you know, everybody's, you know, when the world is shouting fear, God says, don't be like them. And he says that I'm the only one that you need to fear. Right. Turn to another place in, uh, um, uh, let's see, Luke chapter 20. I'm sorry, Luke 12. And the thing is, is we, as the people of God, we should not be, you know, we're not supposed to be buffeted about by every wind and wave that comes along, right? We, as the people of God, are supposed to have our foundations deep and buried on the rock so that when the storms come, our house is not going to get washed away, 
right? And I and I see people who who call themselves believers and may be believers and stuff who who are shaken and who are who are filled with fear and they're like, what's going to happen? What's going on? And and things. And you know what? God is still in control. And not only that, but God has not forgotten about us, right? You know, it's easy when things are going great, when when things are going well for us to to know that God loves us and that He's there with us and stuff. But when things happen that are that are trials and dark times and and whirlwinds, then then sometimes our foundations get shaken a little bit. And God is saying to the church right now, "Do not be shaken." And in Luke twelve, we we saw a while ago that God was saying the Lord is to be our fear. We're not to fear man. We're not to fear circumstances. We're not to fear coronavirus. We're to fear God alone. Amen. And in Luke twelve verse four, Jesus was seeing, was speaking to the people. He says, "I say to you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, and that and after that have no more that they can do." So in other words, don't be afraid of the circumstances in this life, whether it's people, whether it's, uh, whether it's accidents, whether it's, you know, just the things of life. Don't be afraid of those things, right? Because those things can only kill your body. Verse 5, he says, But I will warn you whom to fear. Fear the one after he is killed has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. So now if you stop there, you're going to think, wow, God is just this angry God and, you know, we should be fearful of him and things. But here's the thing. We in the church, to a large extent, especially the church in America in the 21st century, we have no fear of God in our eyes. And the, the thing is, is if we have the fear of God before us, then we're not shaken because our eyes and our focus are on him, not on our circumstances. Right. And so, but it continues, and in verse 6, he says, uh, in verse uh, 6, he says, Are not five sparrows sold for two cents? Yet not one of them is forgotten before God. Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, for you are more valuable than many sparrows. You see that? And so, you know, we're, God tells us and he commands us to fear him. We are to fear him. We're not to fear circumstances. We're not to fear people. We're not to fear what's going to happen to us. Am I going to run out of food? Am I going to run out of toilet paper? Am I going to run out of water? We're to fear God. And we're not to, we're not to uh, fall into this place of panic like everybody else. And it doesn't just stop there. It goes on. And the verses show that God is not saying I am a, just that I am a God to be feared and I'm in control of everything and all that. But he also also says, I also have the hairs of your head numbered and I care about you and you are, you are special to me and my thoughts are towards you. You see that? Um, turn to another place in Psalm 121. And the thing is, is because we, we as believers, we, we have options, right? We, we have the, and, and I'm not saying don't take precautions, right? Because I do think that we need to take precautions. Obviously, you need to wash your hands and stuff. And like I said, when I'm at work, I wear, you know, rubber gloves all day. And, you know, you try to keep your distance from people and things like that. But at the same time, God is in charge. God is in charge of the world. He's in charge of coronavirus. He's in charge to, 
a degree what happens to our lives, right? I don't, and here's the thing. I don't think that God micromanage us in how we react to things, but the things, the events in the world are filtered through his hands. Does that make sense? And then, the, and then we have a responsibility as to how we respond to those events. And in Psalm 121, verse 1, it says, In my trouble I cried to the Lord, and he answered me. Um, sorry, that was 120. Verse, uh, 121, verse 1, I will lift up my eyes to the mountains. From where shall my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to slip. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. You see that? And so, again, God does not sleep. It's not like, okay, now all of a sudden Satan is, is rampaging throughout the earth and stuff. You know, it's, it's kind of funny because I was thinking about the book of Revelation this week. And, you know, obviously I don't want to get into end times and all that and stuff. But the message of the book of Revelations is God is with you. Right? The, the book of Revelations was written to a people in the first century who were being put to death. Nero was taking Christians and he was impaling them and lighting them on fire in his garden at nighttime so that Christians were burning and, and people were being tortured. And so the people that re received the book of Revelation when it was first written, to them it was a message saying, no matter how bad things get, no matter how dark things get, I am with you. And I am still in charge. I am still in control. Right? And so, and then, and the thing is, is God will flip it. Right? And God, it, we're going to talk next week about, is this God's judgment and stuff. And the thing is, is, you know, if you think about the people in, in the Exodus, they went through the same trials and the same uh, um, judgments that were poured out on the Egyptians until it came to the last few. Right? And so we as believers, a lot of times we get caught up in what God's doing in the world. But then at the end of it, God comes in and he rescues his people. That make sense? Um, so again, God cares about us and he's concerned over us. He doesn't sleep. He doesn't slumber. It's not like things are missing his attention and, and he's not seeing what, what's going on in the world and stuff. We all know Psalm 91. Um, how he talks about, you know, um, you know, the plagues will not come near your tent and stuff like that. This is written by our God. And the problem is, is a lot of times we, we are strong in belief and we're strong in faith when things are going well. But, but like when, when we catch that cough, then we're like, oh, we, it starts to shake our faith, right? I mean, even when, like I had a cold this past week and I mean, I was sick. I was, I was, I I felt terrible and I felt like I was dying and stuff. And the first thing that happens is when you get something like that, the first thought is, oh, do I have it? You know? And stuff. And it's, and it's when the Spirit of the Lord says, you know what? You're supposed to walk by faith and not by sight, right? And so, and the thing is, is even if we do get it, God's a healer, Amen. right? What does it say in James 3, 5? says, if you're sick, go to the elders. They will anoint you with oil and pray the prayer of faith. Right? And Jesus, when he was on the earth, he healed people all the time. And we believe in healing. Right? And so God, even if I get this sickness, God is able to heal me. Do we believe that? 
Do we believe that God is a healer? Do we believe that if I was to get coronavirus, God could heal me of it? Or get us through it, you know? Like, exactly. It's not going to be like... <laughs> right. You know, and... and it won't die. Yeah. So, or if you do, it's so good. You know, and that's... <laughs> you're stealing my points. And the thing is, is there is healing power. God does heal people. We know, we've known people who've been healed of things, right? I mean, I, I don't, you know, Amy's known people that have gotten healed of cancer and things. Um, you know, we, we, I don't think that we're living in an age where lots of people are getting healed, maybe, at least not in America. But God does heal people, and He's able to heal people. And especially we in the charismatic branch, we should believe in a God who's able to heal us. And, and just like Cindy was saying, even if he doesn't heal us, he walks with us through those situations. Or I think it was Ruth that said that, right? Mm -hmm. Just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when, when, when they were thrown into the flames and, the, and Nebuchadnezzar saw one like the Son of Man in there with them and stuff. And, you know, if you read books like in the 1800s by believers, people that were sick and stuff, they would talk about how they were sick and, you know, some of them were dying and stuff, but they would talk about how they had the peace of the Lord with them. Mm -hmm. and, they were, and they weren't moved by it. And even though they felt terrible and they felt bad and stuff like that, they were like, but God is with me and stuff. And that, that one thing of God being with them and the knowledge and the understanding of Him being there with them, that changed everything for them. And so even though they were dying, even though they were in misery or suffering and stuff like that, in a lot of ways, they weren't suffering at all. A lot of ways, they, they, they had unbroken fellowship with Jesus in those times because, uh, because he was walking with them through those situations and stuff. Um, and God, God it, it doesn't matter how long this thing lasts. If, if it lasts for months, even if it lasts for years and stuff. I was reading about the widow, the widow of Zarephath and stuff, about how, like in First Kings, how when the famine came, you know, she's the one that, you know, uh, Elisha had her gather all the pots and the pans and stuff like that, and they were filled with oil, right? And it says that the oil did not run dry until the famine ceased. And so it doesn't matter how bad this situation, it's like we don't need to be the people that are panicking. We don't need the people that are fighting to get in line or, you know, I would, last week somebody was stealing the toilet paper from the, from the bathrooms at Costco. I mean, again, you know, and I, I trust that it's not believers, right? Okay. But that's the thing is like, we are in a situation where we can understand and experience the presence of God like never before because God is with us during these moments, right? A lot of times we're like, well, God, why can't I sense you? Why can't I feel your presence? Because you're not going through anything and stuff. And, and it's like, but then when something happens, we're like, oh, we're all, you know, oh, the sky is falling in the sky, you know, and stuff rather than... Rather than finding where the presence of God is, because I'm telling you right now, the presence of God is in the midst of this circumstance. In the midst of coronavirus, God is there and he is willing for us to come to him and tap into his peace and into his presence rather than the fear, uh, rather than fear and stuff. Um, and, and again, like Cindy was saying, if, okay, even if God doesn't heal us, What's the worst that can happen? We die. 
right? Paul said over and over, man, it's better for me to die and go be with Jesus than to be here. But the only reason why I'll stay here is to help you guys. But his desire was to go and to be with the Lord. And the problem with 21st century Christians is we love this life, right? What does it say in 1 John 2.15? Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And I'm afraid for many of us believers that we love our houses, we love our cars, we love our television shows, we love our whatever, our, our fashion magazines, we as believers are so engrossed with the world. We talk about like how, oh, I love Jesus more than anything like, more than anything in the world. Okay, do you want to go be with him today? Uh, no. <laughs> you know? It's like, well, how much do you really love him and stuff? Again, Paul would rather have been with Jesus. And I'm not saying that we have any kind of morbid death wish or, or we're stupid or anything like that. But I'm just saying that death is not bad. The sting of death has been broken. Woo! Right? Because Jesus rose from the dead and he proved that if I rise from the dead, you're going to rise too. There, and, and I'm not saying, you know, there's always some trepidation. Nobody wants to go through that... Uh, even Pilgrim's Progress talks about how Pilgrim, when he had to cross the river and it was so dark and it was so deep and things. And it is deep and it is dark. But if we know what's on the other side and we know that what's, what's there far excels anything that's here, then, then that's nothing, Right? And so we as believers, we need to get, we need to renew our minds. We need to understand that death is not this, this horrible, terrible thing. Death is the, is the doorway. Death is the way in to where there's no more crying, no more tears, no more sorrow, no more pain, no more death, no more blindness, no more sickness, none of that. Where's Jesus and he's at the center of everything and, 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 the greatest joy that, that, that far exceeds anything that you could ever imagine will be there forever. And it can't be taken away from you. And it won't ever be, there won't ever be coronavirus or there won't ever be these trials or these temptations or the things that make you fall or the things that burden your heart and that just break your heart and things because everything is Jesus. And stuff, and and again, we we have no concept with that because we have this gospel that's all focused on the here and now, and focused with your best blessing here and being blessed now and stuff like that. Many people who are blessed now are not going to receive a blessing then. The first, the many who are first now will be last then. And it's again, there is something that awaits us—a weight of glory. That Paul was looking for. And we as believers in the 21st century. We need to renew our minds. This is nothing. Mm. And stuff. And if I, I can only die. What's the worst thing that can happen to you? You can only die. And after that you step into glory. You step into your eternal reward. And again that's the thing that the, the, the believers in, in the earlier centuries. They, they would always talk about these things. They would always talk about your eternal reward. They would always talk about glory and heaven and stuff like that. You don't ever hear teaching about heaven anymore. Because again we're so content with what we have now. We're so content with the things in this realm, on this earth, and we think they're so great. Oh, I got my new car and stuff. Even, and I, 
even Christians so wrapped up in, oh, did you see this car? Did you see this thing? And, you know, it could be fashion. It could be whatever it is. There's a million things that can lure our hearts. And we think that it's so awesome and so wonderful. Sex, drugs, whatever. And it doesn't even compare. And we sell ourselves for these things when there's so much more waiting for us. And it's so much better itself. Amen. Mm-hmm. I heard a description. Um, I think they were talking about cancer, but um, just mentioning that cancer only wins if a Christian acts like somebody who has cancer rather than somebody that has a God that can overcome cancer. And, you know, even if we have something come upon us, you know, like you were saying, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, he will deliver us, but even if he doesn't, so even if we were to get something and even if we were to perish from it, um, in the midst of it, we're called to act holy like people that have a God that can save and that we don't give glory to whatever illness or disease that we have. Yeah. We just give glory to God and act some, like somebody who's well, pretty much. I mean, not not to lie and to say that we're well or anything yeah. like that, but just our behavior, our attitude shouldn't change. We should still be kind. We should still be loving. We should still be at peace. Yeah. Amen. That's good. Yeah, and not, and not chafing and not, not complaining and like, oh, I got this terrible thing going on and stuff. Again, like I've got books that talk about believers when they were dying and stuff. They would just all of a sudden like angels would come into the room and stuff at the moment of, of them dying and just escort them over and stuff. And they would like some people would be like like just conversing with angels and stuff. And I'm not into this whole angel thing and stuff, but I do think that in these cases... When you're when you're crossing that river, when you're going through the valley of the shadow of death, I think that that's when it does happen, and stuff. And God sends, you know, his his angels and ministering spirits to escort you and stuff. And again, you know, a lot of us, you know, if we get in the flesh, you're not going to experience that, right? Because uh, you know, and so again, you know, even death itself. We can be walking with the Lord in that place and experiencing the presence of God like we've never even known it and stuff. And again, so many death stories of people dying and the things that they were seeing in the spirit and and nobody else in the room could see these things, you know, but, but, you know, everyone knew this person's with Jesus now, you know, and stuff. And, um, and to add on to the idea of like, we do need to be act, we, we, we do need to act differently than just like the you know the way the world might act like you know the natural reaction often is to like kind of take care of ourselves before other people and yeah. kind of start manipulating things and stuff like that and we looked at proverbs 3 and verse 27 which says do not withhold goods for from oh, those who good. it is due that's good when it is in your power to do so do not say to your neighbor go and come back and tomorrow i will give you when you have it that's really good yeah i wish i would read that because um that's the thing because that's what fear does Fear makes you selfish, right? Fear makes you want to hoard. Fear makes you want to go out and buy all the toilet paper and, you know, I don't care if anyone else has some, at least I've got some, right? Uh, fear fear makes you panic. Fear makes you fight over things that other people don't have. I mean, it's just like uh, stories of, of like sieges and, and things when people were surrounded and they had no food and stuff. It, I mean, people would resort to cannibalism 
and things and and people would murder each other for for scraps of of food and things and and again we as believers are called to be different um you know we're the bible says do not let your hearts be troubled I have overcome the world. And so when he says, do not let that happen, that means we've got a choice in it, right? We have a choice. We have options on how we are to react to this. And and we are to be leaders. We're to be the head and not to tell. We're to be the example. Turn to uh, Psalm chapter 62. You know, and the thing is, is I'm not saying that it's, it's not bad because, you know, obviously it is bad and stuff, but um, I was I was hearing this morning that, what what was it, um, how many, 13,000 people have died from this disease. And that's a lot of people. That's if you're remembering the figure correctly, caveat. Oh, it was. <laughs> it, it was 13,000. 13, okay, yeah. okay. Um, so, now, but you think about how many billions of people are in the world? I mean, really, that's a drop in the bucket. Now, I, I'm not saying that, you know, I'm not glad that those people died or anything like that. But really, that's nothing. During the Black Plague of the, of the 14th century, they said 50 million people died from that. Like 60% of all Europe died from that. That means that there was no family that was not affected by it. You know what I'm saying? And and obviously, we're, we're trying to prevent anything from that, like that happening and stuff like that but here's the thing it could be so much worse right it could be something like the black plague and that that, that you know that's the thing if if this virus can come from out of nowhere and be this bad there could be something much worse right mm-hmm. and and what's the and the thing is is god and, and we'll talk about this next week but god is wanting us to learn from this you know, if, if if I step back and I look at it, it seems to me like God's hands are all over it. First, we had the AIDS thing, and no one learned from that, right? Now, this is happening, and the thing is, is anyone learning? Because when God sends his judgments, it's to bring wisdom to the earth. And if we don't learn, if we don't repent, God can certainly make it a lot worse. And so, again, this is the opportunity for us as believers to shine. In Psalm 62, it says, My soul waits in silence for God only. So, again, and and the thing is, is I think it's honestly a good thing to limit our news intake, right? Uh, it's okay to know what's going on, but if you sit and listen to that stuff all day long, it's going gonna, it's gonna to twist your mind. And the thing is, is our source is not the news. Our source is not CNN. Our source is not Fox News. Our source is not what they say is happening in the world. Our source is in God. And in so, so in, instead of spending time in front of the news all day long, we should be spending time with the Lord. And waiting on him, right? The psalmist says, My soul waits in silence for God only. From him is my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation. Now, um, hopefully hopefully the doctors and everything figure this out. Hopefully they find a cure for it and stuff. And I think that they are making strides. And even like AIDS, as bad as it was and stuff, the doctors came up with a cure for it. And I'm like, well, where did the doctors get the wisdom from? Where did the doctors get the with the spark of creativity? I believe God gave them the answers, right? 
So again, God is the one that's in control. It's not the doctors. It's not the government. It's not the CDC. It's not Noah. It's not anyone. It's not the news. It's God. And so our answer is not from any of these other sources. It's from God alone. He says, he only is my rock and my salvation, my stronghold. I shall not be greatly shaken. How long will you assail me? Or let's see in verse, um, verse five, my soul wait in silence for God only for my hope is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my stronghold. I shall not be shaken on God, my salvation and my glory rest. The rock of my strength, my refuge is in my God. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him, for God is a refuge for us. And so, God is the only answer. And God is what this world needs before the virus, after the virus, and especially during the virus. And we as believers hold the only answer and the only solution for this world, and that's Jesus. And especially now, anytime the world is dark, that's when the church should shine the brightest. God is calling us as believers to shine our lights right now. He wants us to, to walk in, in boldness, to walk in his power and say, you know what? You may be afraid, but I've got... Jesus, right? And if you've got Jesus, you don't have to be afraid of anything, no matter what the circumstances are. And we can share that Jesus with these people who are afraid. Um, it's like uh, you guys, when you went to Walmart and you were sharing Jesus with people that are, are at Walmart buying things out of their fear and things. And that's awesome. That's what we, the church, are to be. We're to be a lighthouse. We're to be a place of safety. We're to be a place where in darkness, in, in, in bad times, people see the answer in the church. Amen? Hope you enjoyed this message. Um, hope you um, got a lot out of it and were encouraged. Um, as a little caveat to the message, please keep in mind that you can't blanket everything with just one pat answer obviously this is not the pat answer for everybody's situation um there are different circumstances and different search situations that um, have different results um such as if you're walking in willful sin against the lord you might not be one of those who are walking in the blessing of the lord right now um there are obviously different reasons for different things and so we understand that and we're not trying to throw out a blanket opinion on what's happening right now so just to get a little different perspective we'll also also share a different perspective next week on is the coronavirus god's judgment um and we'll look at that um we are at um just an incredible the last 20 years and around the world of just incredible sin against god and so is god trying to get the world's attention right now so we will we will cover that next week and um we are definitely praying for repentance of the whole world during this time to turn their hearts back to God 100% and um, allow him through the Holy Spirit to work an obedient lifestyle in all of us. Um, so if you'd like to hear more about that, um, have some questions about whether or not this is God's judgment, just tune in next week and we'll be discussing that further. In the meantime, God bless you all. We will definitely be interceding on behalf of all of you and on behalf of the world. So bless you in Jesus' name.